Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to All Together, the Family Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Now, let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we're talking about familial relationships, um, especially long distance. And I know that we've spoken about this another time when we've had Lou on and talking about how she does it during long distance. But today is completely different perspective and how it sort of helped in a familial relationship um, when a child leaves their parent, leaves their family and are able to sort of rekindle their sort of love for one another. So today to help me talk about this and to be a special guest on it is a first person and one of my friends has come onto the show and decided to come and help me. Uh, we've got Marie Stella here to talk about her sort of journey into being a better, joining together as a family. How are you going today, Marie? Fine, uh, fine thank you. Uh, excellent jingle. I really liked it. I was bopping to it earlier. Um, what was your question again? <laughs> I just said hi. Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you for having me here. So can you talk a little bit more about sort of how you've sort of come onto the show when you're talking about familiar relationships and we're going into a little bit more your journey as to how you sort of got closer with your family because of the distance? Right, yeah, I think because like I, when I grew up with my family in Singapore, um, it was a very traditionalist household. It's actually not as traditionalist as most Asian families that I know, but for me... I think it's more because I am pretty unconventional in the sense of like my personality and everything that I believe in mm -hmm. is just very different from what I was brought up to believe or what my parents believe. So I never really felt like I could be fully myself mm -hmm. there. Um, they, But they still like supported me all the way through my life. And so although we have a lot of differences, I think the distance has really helped to like put some, I don't know, I, I, it's really helped to make me feel a bit more sentimental in, in, and grateful with mm -hmm. what I've been brought up with. Because what when you're in it, you can't really, you're kind of blinded by all of the differences that you have to navigate through and all the challenges that come with it. But then you remove those and then you, you remember the things to be thankful for. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where I'm coming from, yeah. I think that's amazing. Um, before we get deeper into it, and I'd love to talk about this a bit more, we love to start off with the little get to know you icebreaker. And I showed you what the list was before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll just go down it and just share the first thing that sort of comes to your mind. Right. Um, so the first one is your favorite movie. Uh, favorite movie is Coraline. I wish I could say something a bit more poetic and something that make me sound smarter. But Coraline, when I first watched it as what preteen, teen, pre, I think preteen, pre yeah, preteen. I was so mesmerized by it mm -hmm. just because I think I related to Coraline a lot in terms of not wanting to be in that like household you were brought up in and wanting a different mother as painful as it is for any parent to hear but it's like as a kid you know there's some things that you wish could be different in mm -hmm. how you're brought up and wanting to just run away I think that's how I related to Coraline a lot um, and I didn't realize earlier on when I was first watching it that I like her life pretty much parallels mine because I didn't realize that whole 
thing of oh you wish for something else but it's not necessarily the best for you mm-hmm. um and then so watching it again as an adult really like a there was like a second wave of love for it and this time around it's like an added layer of um relating to it as well and of course i love the the mix of like horror and and animation and comedy um yeah it's beautiful and there are a lot of like little easter eggs that just drive me insane love them yeah yeah i definitely agree with Coraline. i feel like when you watch it as an adult it's a completely different story yeah like as a kid you're <laughs> like oh it's spooky it's scary yeah. but and you get older there's a whole different sort of meaning yeah there's, into so, there's it. so much symbolism yeah which i really enjoy yeah and us being film students we see straight through that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like analyzing all the way every single second and it gets tiring so i've only actually watched it three times oh wow okay yeah. i think i've only i haven't seen it a lot actually no i think like i watch it once in every st- stage of my life. Mm-hmm. So I watched it once when it first came out in theaters because my mom thought it was a cute little cartoon. Ooh. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then uh, I loved it. Didn't get half of it because I was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't fu- my brain wasn't fully developed. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched it again, yeah. um, I think, when I was a young adult. But even then... I didn't really fully get it. I just like appreciated it. But then I watched it another time like last year when I had nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Um, yeah, I think it reclaimed the spot because it wasn't always my favorite show. I think Ragnarok was up there for a really, really long time. But that's okay. because I'm a basic Marvel yeah. um, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so the next one is a favorite podcast of yours. Podcast, right. Uh, I, wa- I I listen to this podcast a lot during COVID, mm-hmm. like third COVID lockdown, when I needed to consume as much media as I could to get my mind off anything or to get anything into my mind, to be honest. Behind the Bastards by robert evans is fantastic okay. he basically goes into um everything that's going on in the minds of these monstrous figures mm-hmm. of history so anything oh, from wow. like hitler yeah to other like more obscure people that you might not have even heard of but apparently have done some horrible horrible things it's an amazing podcast because it's not just dark his sense of humor also helps to like lighten it up a bit because you know sometimes when you're talking about dark things you have to like cope with all of this heavy heavy content and Mm. how do you how do you like just lighten that up with some humor um yeah so i i do enjoy that a lot yeah that sounds like a really interesting yeah show just to keep is it like weekly or is it i'm not sure if it's weekly i don't keep up with it as much anymore Mm -hmm. but i just i I think i discovered the podcast like halfway through one of like i think season one or two so i had a ton of content to just like binge listen yeah which was fantastic yeah that sounds good i do recommend it um the next one is a famous role model of yours Matt Healy from the 1975. Okay. Uh, yeah. For for various reasons, uh, I like his perspective on the human experience and how no one is like a one-dimensional figure and mm-hmm. how it's okay to be fluctuating through different perspectives in life. Like you're always going to change your mind. That's just part of being a human yeah no one is inherently good or inherently bad and emotions are emotions you might experience like some of them have negative connotations to it but that's fine yeah like it's okay just own it and i think i really like that um especially of recent like becoming 25 Mm -hmm. is very different from turning 21 which you don't realize when you're 21 yeah 
because when you're 21, you're like, oh, I know a bunch of shit. Like I'm gonna, I'm being an adult now. I'm, I'm an adult. I'm all grown up. Oh and yeah. Stuff. And you're, yeah. You're like trying to be a good person and everything. And then, I think when you're turning 25 or like towards your later years of 20s, you start to realize hey it's okay to not know everything you probably you're never going to know everything in life and and it's okay like if you're a shit person you're a shit person like that's fine like own it um everyone has tough times everyone has low points in the life uh i think it's just about kind of accepting that and mm-hmm. like as long as you're trying you know yeah it's okay to just be yourself well, I love that. I actually didn't know that he had such a deep sort of meaning. Yeah, because all of his songs, um, lyrically, they sound like they're about nothing or just about drugs or just yeah. about sex. Yeah. <laughs> but I, there's also a lot that has to do with kind of owning that maybe you are epicurean maybe you are you have these desires you have these fantasies Mm -hmm. but that's part of being human um yeah that's really interesting i gotta sort of look into his songs a little bit more and then rather than just hear it probably have to read it now (laughs) yeah yeah his lyricism is fantastic because that like there's always that like first and second listen right the first listen you're always like oh yeah this is a vibe why is he talking about someone smelling like shit that doesn't make any sense and then you go read the lyrics and yeah. you're like oh this is why yeah um and you realize that every single line has a purpose to it it's very precise it's very concise um and really appreciate that oh that's amazing okay all right so the next one is a favorite course that you've completed course that i've completed um well i did i did a diploma in mass communications okay when i was in singapore yeah i don't know if i call it my favorite but because it was a very intense time it, it was one of the i think it was like the top course in mass communications like throughout singapore mm-hmm. and it cost me like an arm and a, and a leg to get into it was very competitive yeah. and all the people there were smart as and I just barely got in I did everything I could to get in and then I I very soon realized that I was way out of my league here because mm-hmm. everyone else just kind of breezed through oh not breezed through but like they got in just fine just being themselves and so it was very intense but at the same time it was so enriching with like the skill set the range that they teach you Mm -hmm. um they don't hold your hand but they don't throw you in deep water either yeah um so i do appreciate that bit and i did make some good friends there very very few like handful of them i still keep up with yeah um i don't I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's definitely the most memorable. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good one. I think, especially with that question, you can pretty much do any course that, anything that is sort of really stuck to you. Yeah. And that's definitely essentially, one. Yeah. And I think like it allowed me to kind of choose where I wanted to go. Cause now I, like from there, I did get experience with like, not not real working experience, but like I learned a bit of everything, like from TV production to like graphic design, social media, marketing, and then writing as well. Hmm. So it just opened up a lot of doors for me. Yeah, that's which great. Which was my starting point. Yeah. So now we're gonna go into the point of the show today and talking a little bit about that. Um, so I, I know you've spoken a little bit about your family life at the beginning and can you sort of tell us a little bit more about what your family was like? My family, when I was growing up, cause I was a single child for like six years mm-hmm. and then two brothers came along afterwards. So 
I was a single child for quite a while, and I suppose as the oldest child, you're kind of like the guinea pig. So my parents were testing me with the very like typical Asian method of tiger mom and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I get yelled at for not um, scoring a B in math or something, at least a B. And I was not like a mathematical genius or anything oh that's that's obviously a stretch but like i sucked at math had no interest in it why would i yeah and at some point i think i think it was like when i was 12 yeah we hadn't learned algebra yet like that was secondary school stuff but my mom just assumed that i knew i had to know what algebra was it's so easy yeah so when i didn't know what like why is she putting all these alphabets into numbers i was just so confused okay and she yelled at me she was livid and i think that was like the defining moment where i was like <laughs> yeah I, I was just like this is not for me this life is not for me it's too hard yeah. you know <laughs> yeah yeah like, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh and i think i think it, also because I was, I had dyspraxia, right? I have dyspraxia. So I, I have trouble like concentrating and organizing my thoughts, but my parents didn't know for the longest time. Okay. So yeah. they were using all these like typical traditionalist Asian methods of discipline to, to kind of like scare me mm-hmm. into doing my work, but it was never gonna work out because I'm not neurotypical, but yep. they didn't know it yet. So back then, it, that's how it was. Yeah. And that's how I grew up. And that's why I didn't feel like home was a home for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I tried to lock myself in my room a lot. Because I felt like anytime I go outside, I'd be succumbed to this kind of treatment. But don't get me wrong. Like, I, I was a horrible kid. Like, I think, <laughs> I think there are a few times I... <laughs> I learned very quickly how to forge my parents' signature. Okay. I didn't realize that was a bad thing when I was younger. Even when they scolded me, I thought yeah. they just wanted to scold me. Uh, and and then my, my dad had come in and be like, I used to be the police. I can arrest you. Um, but for some reason, that didn't register. I was like, yeah. well, if you don't catch me, you can't arrest me. So I just kept doing it anyway with my like report cards. Yeah. Um, because I was thinking, like, I didn't, I didn't want to get scolded. I couldn't really do much about, like, my lack of motivation in school. Like, you know, it was very difficult. Yeah. And then I wasn't being taught, like, how to get by, mm. like, the proper way. I was just being scolded all the time, put in a corner. Yeah. Caned, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I just kept forging signatures. It was hard. Uh, yeah, it, it was bad time. Like, especially when you didn't know... Like, there was no label for dyspraxia as well. Yeah. It wasn't something that, like, neurodivergent, neurotypical, it's not something that we grew up ever knowing. Yeah, and, and to my parents' credit, they didn't know either. Yeah. And I think they're just doing their best, trying to... They're doing what they knew. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. doing what they grew up with. Yeah. Um, they, they're doing what they were, they were taught. Yeah. So... But back then, I didn't know. No. And that's why I hated them. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes sense. Like, as a kid, there's no other way. Like, especially when you get into trouble for things that you can't control. Yeah. And then you just see it as, okay, they just want to get you into trouble. Whereas there is actually something that you needed to sort of go talk to someone about. And they didn't know. Yeah. Like, like they didn't know you didn't know. So how are you going to sort of explain it Yeah, and I as think, well? like different kids need different types of discipline yes um kids are very much like cats as well you give them too much like negative reinforcement and they all they're gonna think is that you are punishing them for everything yeah and then they're just gonna be scared of everything yeah so yeah i think that's that's where i was coming from as a kid just couldn't really express what i wanted to and also the fact that I was pushed into doing a lot of things that I didn't really want to do, like Mm -hmm. piano and swimming. I just didn't have, I didn't have the 
urge or the inkling to do mm -hmm. any of it. But as like Asian parents, they're like, well, yeah. you've got to do something. And I'm like, no, I want to play the guitar. And they're like, what for? <laughs> like, what are you, yeah. you going to do with the guitar? Well, what am I going to do with the piano? <laughs> you know, uh, and it's like a whole back and forth of like, well, I'm interested in this. Well, that's not going to work out. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so what were some of the challenges that you faced? Like what were some other challenges you faced when sort of socializing with them and being around them that sort of really put you into your own little bubble? I think it comes in... Well, I, I think I've said this before. No, I've not said this before. I have expressed it in a similar way. It comes in waves, right? Yeah. So the first wave is like when you're a child. That's like the very basic um, first like emphasis on like you can't be yourself. You have to be this person. Mm -hmm. And then as a teen, it comes again in like, well, now I'm expressing that I'm interested in these certain things. And it takes a long time for them to come around and be like, oh... I understand, well, maybe we can do something about it. And so when it when you have to like argue your way through like what you're really interested in, for me it was guitar, mm. um, it gets frustrating <laughs> at a certain point. And then you start yeah. like kind of learning subconsciously that your interests are not welcome or not good enough, or you have to argue your way through things that you like um, if it's unconventional. Yeah. Uh, and that I think that was what reinforced it subconsciously for me. And then as an adult or like a young adult, it started becoming more of like a, um, I think there was one time I was sitting at the dinner table and I've always been very like liberal, you mm -hmm. know, um, whereas Singapore is just not that kind of place. And that's where I was living at that point in time with my family. Mm -hmm. So there would be articles, news articles about how there's like a trans doctor or like a doctor doing cosmetic surgery for for like a trans person or someone going to Thailand to get their gender reassignment surgery or yeah. something. And my parents would show me the headline and be like, isn't this crazy and this is so weird. And I have to sit there being like... Okay. Yeah. Well, no, but like, again, I was taught from a young age, intentionally or unintentionally, that whenever I disagree with them, I would get punished for it. Um, I'd get told off or something like that. Um, so I couldn't bring it. I didn't have it in me mm -hmm. to stand up and be like, no, it's not that weird. Like, this is why. And like, yeah kind of argue my standpoint i i felt like i didn't have individuality mm -hmm. because of what was taught to me earlier on yeah um and also because the, they were so adamant and passionate about like queerness being weird whether it's being gay or 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 being trans or anything like that yeah and so Obviously, I couldn't look them in the eye and be like, well, you're wrong. No, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, I, I know that I get some shit for it. Yeah. And I just, I kind of went into flight mode. I kind of just tuned it out and just, like, wanted to be back in my room. Yeah. I didn't want to be there. Like, it it just, it just hurts. Yeah. It took, a, I think, because it, it took a lot of effort to keep arguing with them. It's have, like, a different opinion. Yeah. So then the more effort it takes, the more you just sort of give up and just say that's them, you're different, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's the difference of opinion. I feel like when it comes to the difference of opinion, it's good for everyone to, everyone has their own opinion about things. But for parents to not hear the side of the kids and to also sort of reinforce the fact that it's my opinion and that's, that's how you're going to think. Mm -hmm. So how I think is how you're going to think. Yeah, And that's something that, like, I grew up with that as well and I it took me until I was about in my early 20s to be like okay I have my own way of thinking and to figure out what I'm thinking like I have because I also wasn't I wasn't the kind of person that would fight you're a lot stronger you would rebel back a little bit more I wouldn't 
no, I would not rebel. <laughs> not directly, but you'd hide. You'd hide away. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think yeah. that's. I don't think that can be considered rebelling. It's that's it's just, sort of like taking yourself out of the situation. Yeah, I don't think that's rebelling okay, well, at all. <laughs> I think that's just running. <laughs> Well, it's better to run sometimes than to stay and sit there and listen to it all. Yeah. But, like, you're able to take yourself out of the situation. There are a lot of, like, kids who just, like, for me, for example, I didn't. I just stood there and took it every single time it happened. I just stood there and took it. And it's so different to when you're, like, because you're trying to think, okay, am I doing the wrong thing or is it just because what they say is wrong? And it's, it's so different to sort of having to deal with it, um, especially as you get older. Like, I do want to know, how would you describe your relationship with your parents now? Um, it's a lot better now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can find it in myself to spend quality time with them. Mm-hmm. Whereas previously, when I was living in Singapore indefinitely i would use any excuse to just avoid social interaction like i i know more or less what time my family would be having breakfast or lunch or something like that and Mm -hmm. i just avoid it i stay in my room even if i'm hungry even if i'm starving i just like stay in my room and like do fuck all um, until I know they're out of the house and then I go down and have yep. breakfast. Um, whereas now, I think the last time I went back to Singapore for three weeks, mm-hmm. I spent a lot more time with them. Like if my mom wanted to get breakfast or lunch, I'd go with her and did groceries with her, did a lot more family stuff with her. I think that's... A result of several several things like for example living alone for four years is one of them like not having someone to do groceries with mm. all the time you know it's, it's a nice change of pace mm-hmm. um she also drives so that helps <laughs> whereas i don't so it's, it's nice like getting groceries without <laughs> without having to take the tram and walk like yeah. for 15 minutes yeah that does um, help yeah <laughs> And then the second one is, of course, like, you know, I'm starting to realize as adults, like, she doesn't punish, she doesn't feel the need to punish me as often. So mm-hmm. I can crack jokes without her turning it into a life lesson, you know, or, yeah. or like some kind of lecture. Yeah. And I, I think I've also, because, like, I found the, the, the sweet spot of, like, what's okay to joke about and what's not. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like, sometimes I still, like, push it a bit. Yep. But, like, I, I kind of now know where it's at, where I just don't go into the territory of, like, I'm going to be lectured now. Um, so, yeah, um, having that little, like, those conversations that don't have any, like, any negative repercussions to it helps. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me feel more connected. Um, there's also this, like, I suppose, like, filial piety thing but i do have to acknowledge like my parents are paying for for my uni right they've been supporting me the whole time yeah um so obviously i feel like not that not that my presence is a gift by any means it's Mm -hmm. just like i feel like i owe it to them to have some sort of relationship it's not fair for me to just like take money from them and then fuck off and be like, you guys suck. Yeah. Not, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind of mean. <laughs> that's kind of rude. And like, again, they were not shitty parents. They were just doing what they thought was best. Yeah. That's like that. I think that's the, the, the over the underlying theme of my relationship with my parents. Like, Mm -hmm. I keep reminding myself that. Yes, there was trauma, but that's just from my side of it. They didn't intend for that to happen. They never, like, abused me Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, So, yeah, that's been... I think I've just reminded that to myself every time I'm 
like when I'm living alone, having like you know those sad girl moments and yeah, like, oh, why was I like this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just remind myself that a lot of the time, and it yeah, it's just nice to have people around again that you know will stick by you, um, almost no matter what. I don't think they'll stick by me no matter what. To be like to be completely honest, but through most things that yeah. other people might not. Um, I think is why I decided, like I should maintain this relationship mm-hmm. with my parents, and it's just. What was the question again? <laughs> I feel like I'm not answering it. No, you did, and like, so going into it a little bit more, um, do you think that the distance really helped in the fact of how your relationship is with them now? Oh, hundred percent. I think because like I didn't hear. Um, nagging mm-hmm. every single day yeah um it helped me remember the good times mm-hmm. it helped me remember um the better part of my relationship with my parents you know um and the fact that they've been supporting me more than i could have asked for mm-hmm. my whole life um i think is something that I realized when I had the distance. And that's something that, like, if I didn't have that distance yeah. and I was living with them through COVID, I don't think I'd think the same way. I honestly think I would have wanted to kill them at yeah. some point. I would have run away. I would have I would have wished that I was somewhere else. I definitely would. So the distance definitely helped with that, with the being... M- emotionally removed Mm -hmm. from the situation like kind of taking the negative out of it yeah and reminding myself there's good in there Mm -hmm. yeah do you think they sort of treat you more of like an adult now than they used to as well oh maybe i i i suppose but at the same time my dad still like when i got my first few jobs Mm. doing like actual jobs yeah my dad still thought i was an intern oh okay i think he still thinks of me as a baby because he was going like he doesn't know what i'm doing he really doesn't he still thinks that like i i'm doing journalism which was like two years ago at this point yeah uh and well, like, to be fair, he's still supporting me through uni, so that's completely understandable why he still thinks of me that way. But I suppose they do... Yeah, I guess they do treat... Like, they do treat me with a bit more, like, maturity and um, and less less nagging, and mm-hmm. they, they do see me a bit more, f- like, as an adult. I think maybe also because my brothers are growing up, so... The focus is on them a little bit more. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they're teens now, so it's it's not so much like oh my kids are children. Yeah, like maybe maybe it was like back then. Maybe it was like oh well the my my younger brothers are mm-hmm. still kids, mm-hmm. so they just lump us all in and be like oh they're children. They're all kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't help that my dad doesn't know what I'm doing. No, <laughs> <It> doesn't. <laughs> Well, it does make it easier, the conversations. You don't have to keep explaining what you're doing sometimes. Well, actually, I do. Every time? <laughs> because, like, I don't know what it is, but every single time, he always manages to get what I'm doing wrong. Like, okay. I think one time, this was, like, way after I've already interned, finished my internship at, like, magazines and stuff, and I was yeah. doing writing. I yeah. was, like, a proper writer, you know. I had a fucking job. Yeah. And he, and I was complaining to him about like how much work there has to be done. I'm working like twenty four seven. It's just a lot to deal with, and I'm getting paid like shit. And he goes, "Well, that's life, you know. That like that. That's what you're like when you're an intern. You're just getting coffee for your boss." And I'm like, "Babe, <laughs> I'm not getting coffee for my boss. No, what? <laughs> I'm way past that point. What are you talking about?" I'm not like I'm not still an intern. He goes, "Oh, what? When did you finish your internship?" I'm like a year ago. 
Like Oh wow. Okay, that's last long time. year. It was like the start of last year. Oh, that's a long uh, time ago. Yeah, so that's basically my relationship with my dad. But yeah. to be fair to him, he is still paying like he is still supporting me financially. So I don't think I can really, really truly complain about that. Yeah. Or lament like berate him for it. Yeah. Until I'm completely financially independent. Yeah. You know, so yeah. So we'll have you on on the show then. <laughs> Sorry. What? We'll have you on the show then. <laughs> okay, so we're going into the practice and habit bit of the show. And sort of just practices that you do to sort of maintain a relationship. Now, you've been living on your own for the past four years in Melbourne and sort of um, without them, without their, they're seeing them constantly. How do you maintain or improve your relationship with your family given the distance? Well, we used to do like weekly or bi-weekly um zoom calls okay which was nice but also a bit disruptive to Mm -hmm. my social schedule (laughs) okay because like like it was nice to have that check-in right um during covid when well you couldn't do anything else yeah um and also my family's catholic and they have to go for mass every week. Mm-hmm. So we had this deal where we do online mass together. And so the, the masses are streamed through YouTube. And so my dad would just like screen share and I just sit from Melbourne in my bedroom. Um, and watch it. Having just woken up from a nap or something. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and watch it with them and then quick catch up for 15 minutes maybe mm-hmm. so that was that was nice uh i actually haven't talked to them since like last month or two months ago okay um but i think it's also because i just saw them when i went back yeah. to singapore so there's no need to like rush to, yeah, see them. yeah back then it was like oh indefinitely i wouldn't be able to see them i don't know yeah when the next time is so weekly check-ins were good um but yeah they saw me a bunch they don't need to see me again (laughs) for a while they both need a break yeah (laughs) so when you did do the zoom calls what are three good things that you sort of felt about talking with them three good things Uh, i well i tend to bond with my parents on food okay um that's a language i think most of us can speak yeah so i'd update them on what i've been cooking recently and mm-hmm. i used to cook a lot during covid because like what else is there to do <laughs> what else <laughs> so i attempt these really intricate weird dishes mm-hmm. um mostly from tiktok because i spent 70 percent of my time on there during covid same uh, <laughs> you still spend 70 percent of your I time still there do. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I be so proud of, like, my creations and that I, like, take pictures and I show them mm-hmm. and I update them on what I had. Um, and then I think, well, I sometimes would tell them about uni, but it's not really a good thing because they just, I think it goes in one year and out the other. Okay. Because I'll tell them, like, oh, I'm stressed from uni, hoping to get some, like, support, empathy. Yeah. My parents just go like, uh, okay, well, that's too bad. Like, oh, okay, what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> that's life. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, how? How is that going to work? Like, oh, okay, well, see ya. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> so, like, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing, but it's nice to get it out there somehow. I can't keep tweeting to no one. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> Um, yes, uh, one good thing was like sharing my cooking creations with them. Mm-hmm. Second good thing was probably, well, just giving general updates on my stress levels yeah. to proper human beings. 
is nice, even if they're yeah. not really listening. Just having them there nod is better than like tweeting it into oblivion. Oblivion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> reaching with these good things now. <laughs> the third, the third, one. <laughs> third good one thing. more <laughs> is that I have no like. I get to say that I I talk to my family, I guess, because like I hear people say that they talk to their family all the time, mm-hmm. or like they have some form of relationship with them. So it was nice for a bit to be like, oh yeah, I I need to go and do something on a Sunday, like um, it's to talk to my family or to catch up with my family. It's nice to have some some like check mark. Yep. you know, of like when I'm gonna catch up with them, um, because everyone else did have some kind of thing in place, or they lived with their family. Yeah, so that was nice that I had somebody there um, that wasn't going to, you know, because it wasn't like a like my partner or anything that might just leave at some point. You know, they're like my actual family. Yeah, like they're so, stuck with you. Yeah, and you're stuck with them. Yeah, yeah. So. That was a like I guess it's nice constant. I'd yeah, say. yeah. So I think those are three okay. good things. <laughs> and then, in contrast, what are some of the challenges that you faced? Challenges? Oh, <clears throat> just three. It doesn't. It doesn't say how many. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's probably going to be more. How much time do we have? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, okay. Just a couple. <laughs> well. The first one I can really think of is because of the time difference. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can't blame the, blame the time difference for it, but I had I, I had a very inconsistent schedule during COVID mm-hmm. because it's like I I had a hard time waking up at seven a.m. like not people normally do, or like nine a.m. or yeah. at some reasonable hour. Yeah, so I'd be like up on my laptop doing school stuff because I could procrastinate the shit out of everything. Um, and then obviously I, I'd be up doing work until 5 a.m., 5 a.m. I think it also lines up with like when you're drinking, you know, you start drinking at like what, 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and then goes on and on and on. It's like no one, no one starts drinking at 10 a.m. Like if you do, I mean, unless you're going for brunch, like yeah, boozy brunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. that's besides the point. No, uh, yeah, <laughs> but like I feel like three p.m., four p.m. is a reasonable hour to start drinking, and then naturally you just kind of start sleeping at three a.m. because, you know, you because you can. Yeah, because you. Yeah, yeah, um, and then so when I wake up at, when I wake up at, like. 11 or twelve, and I'm supposed to have a Zoom call with my family. <laughs> that's a bit difficult because um, I'm Mrs. not usually that's awake yeah. at that hour. Like it's a reasonable hour to be awake. Don't get me wrong. Like it's not their fault or anything. It's not. Well, it's probably my fault. <laughs> but I, well, yeah. So I think that actually ha- is more of a problem that's to do with me. Like just, yeah. I had a very inconsistent schedule, and then have having to remember, oh, I have to do this one thing at a certain time every single Sunday was taking a bit of the joy out of being free. I just felt like I always had to sit down that one hour and like listen to some priest talk about um, infidelity. Mm-hmm in marriage or some yeah. shit like that. And I sometimes... So it's like just things that you wouldn't really want to hear at that time. Yeah, sometimes yeah. I need to be doing other things as well. You know, uni stuff, you know how it is. Yeah. And then, so that's kind of, that kind of gets in the way of things. And then, and then I think also because Melbourne started opening up before Singapore did, so they uh, were still okay. insisting on doing the online masses while I was already like going out and doing stuff. And I had band practice afterwards, like for every single week. Mm-hmm. And then I had to make sure that it's on Saturday, not Sunday. And then if 
my friend can't make it on Saturday, then I have to push it to Sunday, but I have to go home early or I have to do it from my friend's house. And yeah. that was a lot of work around. So that's one of the negative things. But again, I feel like that's more of my my horrible time management than anything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that's pretty good. Like, just the communication with your family and making that work. And, I mean, you went to go see them as well, so... Yeah, I tried not to, actually. But <laughs> they were insisting, because I was already in Indonesia. Yeah. It was like a, what, one-hour flight yeah. back to Singapore. So at least you got to see them for a bit and got to catch up with them. And now you can sort of like there's that that distance that's still there now, yeah. which is good. Yeah. yeah, which is good for the both of you because you're both sort of you're not driving each other crazy. Yeah. And I think they've also come to terms with the fact that I don't want to stay in Singapore and I want to stay in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's and they still support me in that decision. They don't know why. They just know that I want it and they still support me, which that I think that's one of the reasons I also remind myself, yes, my relationship with my parents might be strained, but they're not horrible people. Yeah. They're trying their best. Yeah. You know, they're trying it's just to be, difference yeah, in opinion. They're just different. Yeah. Yeah. So like I guess it's still all, a, yeah. It's still a respecting relationship. Yeah, I guess all yeah. in all it's it's like, yeah, we have our differences and uh I might have some intense childhood trauma but it's not really their fault per se Mm. you know it's just i think a lot of asian kids have that same trauma you know yeah so i think as an adult realizing that that now i've been trying to repair my relationship with my parents although i don't think they realize that i'm really viewing it that way (laughs) yeah well it might be a good way to talk with them (laughs) Oh, uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> so now we're going into the open mic section of the show. In the very last section, um, you get to talk about anything that you were passionate about or working on. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give you the floor and you get to talk about, for the last few minutes, we've got about three minutes or so, you get to talk about anything that you are passionate about right now. Okay. Um, well... <laughs> You're going to have to time me because I tend to like... <laughs> I'll let you know. ...waffle on <laughs> for God knows how long. Uh, yeah, I've been working on some songs. I've been writing some songs. I've tried to write songs in the past mm-hmm. um, with my band member, Amel, but they're pretty shit, to be honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we, we never really had that like creative role until recently because I went through a breakup. <laughs> and As you do, you know, honestly, the best motivation. Heartbreak yeah. breeds creativity. It does. It does. It does. You know, uh, it's the best motivation for writing songs. Surprisingly, I didn't write that many songs about the heartbreak itself, but, like, I, I guess after also, like, meeting my parents again and coming back, then I started being more reflective on life in general Mm -hmm. and then started writing things down and eventually i just wrote like a bunch of songs in the past month i think maybe like 30 15 complete songs 30 that like kind of neither here nor there yeah and so my band member and i we're trying to like produce them but we are rookies so it's been taking a while um and I don't know if we'll ever release them, to be honest. So I don't know if there's a point in talking about it in the first place. But um, we really hope to at some point. But we're we're completely independent. And so it might take a while. But we really like what we're doing. And we're, we've been trying to, like, branch out from not just, like, love songs. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, love songs are great. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of, like... yeah. Both empathy and apathy, you know, for different reasons. Yeah. And universally relatable. But the other day, you know what I wrote a song about? I wrote a song about how McSpicy is too McPricey. Like, it's just, it's too expensive. And then, and then it's also, surprisingly, it's a bit more expensive than PTV, taking PTV. So, if you guys don't know, PTV is our public transport um, system. Public transport. Yeah. It's more expensive than public, like, just a bit. Like, a round trip in, pu- like, public transport in Victoria, that's, like, $9 and, what, 40 cents? 
About that, yeah. About there. Yeah. McSpicy is nine dollars sixty cents. It's it's it it's about the same, but it goes yeah. to show like it's really expensive to number one, take public transport in Victoria. Yes. And number two, have a meal. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had sometimes to pick between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Like you got to. Like if like let's say you only have ten bucks on your left, right? You have to choose between going back home and eating. <laughs> and eating. Yeah. <laughs> like what? That's that's kinda yeah. Um, so that's what the song is about. I I don't know if it's actually gonna be a proper song though, because it's kinda it's kinda it's kinda like I I think I tried to insert humor as well. Yeah, it was also a social issue. It, it's, yeah, it's kind of yeah. a social issue. I think it's a, it, it's a universal experience for people who have to um, scrape by. Yeah, you know exactly. And there's a lot of different. I mean, the other songs that you've showed me are pretty good too. Which songs? Which songs have I showed you? Uh, the one that you've posted up. I can't remember. There was one. I forgot the name of it now. We'll find it afterwards. Oh, is it the one w- about how I'm inherently selfish? And I talk too much when someone's trying to sleep. Yeah, yeah because that's true. Yeah. That's very true. I talk way too much mm-hmm. when someone's trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, on that note, <laughs> I'm going to end that here. Uh, thank you so much, Marie, for coming on to the show and talking about the relationship between you and your parents. Um, also talking about how important distance actually is to maintaining a healthy relationship. And I know we've spoken about the fact that being close together is always a good thing, but having another side of the story and sharing how important it is to also get some distance from not only your parent, but also your child as well, I think it's really important. So thank you, Marie, for joining me today. Anytime. And I will put links, um, and I will put links to resources or anything that you wanna share. Um, down below and thank you guys so much for listening I'll see you guys in the next episode you've been listening to All Together the Family Science Insights Podcast produced by Family Science Labs a division of LMSL the Life Management Science Labs more episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify and other podcasting apps available on your smartphone If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at fa.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent, and thanks for tuning in.